Well, praise the Lord, everybody. It's good worship. Can we give the Lord a hand for our music ministry? Thank them, appreciate them for leading us in worship today, faithfully, faithfully reminding us of who God is. If you have a Bible, would you open it to the book of Matthew chapter 14, Matthew chapter 14. Matthew chapter 14, and we are going to read from verse 22 to verse 23. When you got it, say so, and if you are able to stand, would you please stand as we read God's word? And it says this, it says, immediately, Jesus made his disciples get in the boat and go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain to him by himself to pray. Now when evening came, he was alone there. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Remember the wind. Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a ghost. And they cried out for fear, but immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, be of good cheer or take courage. It is I, do not be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. So he said, come. (laughs) And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, O you of little faith, why did you doubt? When they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Then those who were in the boat came and worshipped him, saying, Truly, You are the Son of God. Father, we thank you so much for your great love, for your great mercy. We thank you for this time that you have given us and that you allow us to be together, Lord, to worship, to lift up your name, and Lord, to to set the tone for this new year. Lord, we pray that the words that we hear now would not fall on deaf ears or hardened hearts, but God, that your words would penetrate to the depth of our soul, that your voice would be heard above everything else, and that you would be glorified, not only in the hearing, but in the doing of your word, God. May you be honored in this, God. And we pray all these things in Jesus' good name. And everyone said, amen. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. And so we are in a new year. So happy new year, everybody. And um, I, I, didn't, I didn't see you guys, you know, before today, and so I'm glad to be able to be with you. And I hope that you were able to enjoy some family time and some fun with, you know, people you love and, and bring in the new year. I saw some pictures. So I know some of y'all did that. That's a good thing. I, want, I, I, wanna, I wanted to take a moment, though, in, in this, the beginning of the year, and just so you know what I do is toward the latter part of the year, I pray about, and I mean, throughout the year, I'm thinking through, okay, what am I going to preach next year if Jesus doesn't return? Hallelujah. And he gives me another opportunity to preach to the church. And so I pray and, and I think about what I'm going to speak on. And, you know, 2020 was supposed to be this year of clarity. Amen. 
it, it was the year of vision, you know, like that, like that's one day. You know, you couldn't get away from it. No matter what you did, every church you went to, the first sermon or a few sermons or somewhere along the year, they were talking 2020, you know. As a matter of fact, I look back to see what I preached right on the last Sunday of, of 2019, and I preached a sermon called Clear Vision. And, 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 I, and I was talking about, you know, I wanted you to have clear vision. It was my prayer. I wasn't giving you a prophetic word, and, um, to, you know, to, to say that everything was going to be great. Praise the Lord. I didn't do that. But anyway, um, I did say some things in that sermon like, hey, you know, what do you have in your eye? I asked you some questions about yourself because I wanted 2020 to be a year of clarity. And it seems like 2020 was, 2020 was everything but a year of clarity. A year of confusion, right? A year where things happen, where stuff that we planned didn't happen the way that we thought they were going to happen. I mean, people had vacations canceled. Um, people died on them that they never even, they didn't think they were going to die uh, at this moment. People got sick that they didn't expect to be sick. I mean, things happened in 2020 and we would look at that and think, man, that, 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 was, that was everything but clear. But can I say something? It was definitely a year where revelation happened. 2020 was a year where there was some revelation where the true, true faith was tested and put on display. See, while we see the confusion that is surrounding us, what you have to realize is that there was a lot of clarity that came out. You saw the hearts of folks, did you not? Things can, I mean, you were hanging around people that you love, Amen. You were in quarantine with them, right? You were, you were in space with them that you didn't realize that they were like that. Hallelujah. <laughs> you saw some things about people that were frustrating and you experienced some stuff. And so there was some clarity that came out. The one thing that I realized is there are too many that have been disgraced in this year. I was talking with Minister Hector on, 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 I don't remember what day it was. It was Wednesday, maybe, that we were in here. We were preparing for the funeral. And as we were preparing for that, we were, you know, we were hard. As, as a matter of fact, it was after our time of prayer, after our time of Salah on Wednesday. And I was, I was almost in tears as I was praying during our time of Salah. For those of you who don't know what that is, on Wednesdays at 12.15, we go live on Facebook and we just have a time of worship and prayer for about 30 minutes. And so you can pause and just take, a, you know, take some time wherever you are and just worship the Lord, engage in prayer. But as we were praying and I was, and I was broken and, 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 and news, and I, and I, and I don't want to name names, but if you know, I mean, you know, one of the, one of the greatest voices, somebody who I would consider a giant in the faith. His whole legacy is marred because of secret sin. And he's not the only one. But too many people in 2020 were disgraced. And too many people became disillusioned with the church in 2020 as well. You see, there, there, there's, there, there's this, this thing that I want to do in these next few weeks. I want us to come back to have some clarity. Same God, new year, same mission. But without faith, it is impossible to please God. But without faith, it is impossible to please God. Can you say that with me? But without faith, it is impossible to please God. 
I drive with my son to school, and we go to school, and we do the memory verses on the way to school, and I make him repeat them three times every morning with me, and that way he learns the verses, and that way by the time the test comes, he's able to quote the verse or, you know, finish the verse or put the words where they need to be, and what I want to encourage you is this, is that without faith, it is impossible to please God. We have to be a people, because here's the thing, God hasn't changed, has he? He hasn't changed. Things have changed. Things have gone haywire in certain areas. Things are messed up in certain areas. Things aren't the way that we think they should be or that we know they should be. I mean, come on, you know, we're walking around. We, we, you know, we can't even smile at each other. You know, I always make the joke. It's like, you got to learn to smile with your eyes. Like, yeah, you know, you, you, you make an argument. You smile all day long. You cry. The positive thing is that if you're mad, people can't tell anyway, right? It's like, I'm upset with you. You know, I really want to just lay. You know, but, 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 but the fact is, I mean, that's not normal. Come on now. The other day, someone came to our house. She was doing some paperwork. I have never seen my dog's hair stand up on his back ever until a person walked into my house with a mask. Come on now. It's not normal. He's used to seeing people's faces, right? He's used to engaging with people. But the fact is, this is just, I mean, things aren't the way they're supposed to be. But church, I want you to know that God is still on his throne and he's calling us to serve him. He's calling us to focus on him, not to be disillusioned with the church, not to be overwhelmed by things that are going wrong. And, and the beauty of the new year is that in some sense, you know, because I was telling Larry this morning, I was like, happy new year. And, you know, we both like kind of chuckled and I'm like, well, we still got the same drama following us into, you know, 2021. It's not like the pandemic said, okay, we're done. 2020 is over. And, you know, we're finished. That isn't what happened. You know, we still got election issues and stuff like that. We're going to have prayer time on Tuesday here because we want to pray for our nation. But the fact is this, is that we need to realize that our lives, now listen to this. I want you to think about this this morning. Faith must mark us or doubt will drown us. Faith must mark us or doubt will drown us. Faith has to mark our lives. And faith is not some feeling. It's not some emotion. Faith is, it's, it's a trusting, it's an assurance in God. It's that no matter what I'm facing, no matter what is going on, no matter what is coming at me from which direction, no matter any of those things, I still trust who God is. I still believe who God is. I still believe God's will is God's will. God's will has not changed. Come on now. We have to be a people that are marked by faith because, see, here's the thing. It's not, again, it's not just saying, oh, I'm marked, you know, like, no, no, no. My life has to be marked by faith because if my life is not marked by faith, then I will drown in my doubts. And I don't want any of us to drown in doubt. I want us to live by faith because our vision of Core Faith Church, and for those of you that may come to Core Faith 101 in February, the, the vision of this church is to please the Lord in everything that we do. Based on Hebrews 11.6. The motivation for all that we do is based on Hebrews 11.6. We want to please God. And the only way that happens is by faith. And so how is faith seen? How is faith exercised? Well, faith is exercised by living a certain mission. And we say it every week, you know, we're committed to loving God. We're committed to growing together. We're committed to serving. We're committed to reaching others. Every week we say that. Those things are what mark our lives by faith, that we no matter what, we're committed to loving God. That we no matter what, are committed to growing together. 
That we, no matter what, are committed to serving. That we, no matter what, are committed to reaching others. Church, here's the thing we have to grasp. Is that if our lives are going to be marked by faith on a practical level, and we'll talk about those things the next four weeks. If our lives are going to be marked by faith on a practical level, we have to demonstrate that discipleship life. That life of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. And we come to this text Familiar portion of scripture. I'm pretty sure most of you have read this scripture. And, and this scripture came to mind in the beginning of this year. I could have just gone to Hebrews 11.6 and just preached from there on faith. But as we went away, and I told you guys, we went away on a leader's retreat in November. And as we went away on this leader's retreat and we were in our time of prayer, in our time of worship, as we were closing out our time, I believe it was the last day, if I'm not mistaken, Pastor Aldo began to talk about Peter walking on water. And as he began to talk about this particular portion of scripture, I, the, the, the Lord just began to stir this up inside of me. And I wanted to make sure that I shared this message with the church. The Lord spoke to us clearly in that time to fear not that he was with us and that we were to continue to move forward because he chose us. And he wasn't just talking about cho choosing us individually, but he chose us as a body of believers. He chose us as his people. And so we know the charge is what? To continue forward. It's funny, and I, I'm going to say this sincerely. Prior to receiving that word, and maybe there's somebody else that was fearful, right? I was not. I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I, and literally in this season, I'm not walking in fear. That makes me afraid. Come on now. Because I'm like, okay, what's coming ahead that I need to fear not? What's on the horizon that I need to fear not? And, and listen, I'm not trying to be gloom and doomish. I'm not trying to make you worry or make you afraid. I'm just letting you know what I'm going through. I'm like, okay, Lord, you gave me a word. I'm going to stand on it. And I know this much. I know, and you know, we, we, we just saw a video, didn't we? It said this year could be better or it could be worse. There's no guarantees, as, as we know from 2020. Come on now. There's no guarantees that things are going to be better no guarantee they're going to be worse either. But what we do know is this, is that hardship, trial, tribulation is promised to believers. That's what we know for sure. The apostle uh, Peter here, before he's an apostle, he does something miraculous. And so the first thing I want to ask you to repeat after me is this, say faith, faith. does not deny reality. It embraces truth. Faith does not deny reality. It embraces truth. And so the first thing I want us to look at, just going back, let's go to the text here, because, because Peter gives us an example of what it is to walk by faith, not to deny reality, but for us to actually embrace the truth. And it says this, and a couple of things we need to notice, immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And so I just want to pause for a moment because obviously this is, this is recorded in three, different, in three different portions of scripture, and so three different gospels. In the gospel of Mark it is recorded, and also in the gospel of John. And we know the reason why Jesus was sending the disciples away was because he had done all of these miracles, signs and wonders were happening through him. And the people were realizing, wait a second, this guy is the Messiah. And they were going to take him by force. It says in John, they were going to take him by force and make him king. And Jesus is like, oh, no, 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 it's not my time. It's not time for me to be king yet. It's not time for me to be the one that reigns. It's not time for them to exalt me. I still have a mission. I have to die. I have to rise again. And, and so he understood that. And so what does he do? He sends his disciples away. And then he does something that we see here clearly. And it says in verse 23, And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. 
Now, when evening came, he was alone there. I think this is so important for us, right? This is, this, this is an aside from what, what, what the message is about, but I want you to notice what Jesus does because church, we need to follow his example. If there's one thing that I would challenge you in 2020, just from a practical standpoint, is you need to find yourself alone with Jesus in prayer often. Well, I, believe, I believe one of the things that marked 2020 more than anything else is a prayerless church. Hear me when I say this. Because we've gained knowledge in certain areas, but we lack discernment and decision making. Come on now. We're, we're more divided than we've ever been, and it's because of a lack of discernment. We don't know what the mission is. We don't know what right is. We don't know what's wrong. We're, we're, we're struggling to, to define those things. That's why there is this divide that is so big within the church right now. It's because we've lost our way. Why? Because we're not finding ourselves in prayer with our Lord. And when we hear things coming at us, we don't know how to discern that. We don't know how to deal with those things. And so not just, listen, in our lives in general, we need to find ourselves just like Jesus does, separated with the Father in prayer. Our corporate gatherings matter, matter for sure. They are super, extremely important. I, I said this the other day. One of my friends, he posted a question. He said, do you need, I, think, I don't remember the exact question, but it's something to the effect of, do you need to be in church to worship God? And it's one of those things, you know, that it comes up, you know, yes, no, whatever, whatever. And he was like, no. And I was like, man, let me tell you something. I said, I need, I need you to understand. I said, the problem is that we minimize worship to just an isolated and insulated experience. And I said, but you need to understand something. Biblical worship of God is incomplete without the family of God. You get that? Biblical worship of God is incomplete without the family of God. Worship is never meant to be just me and Jesus alone. Oh, no, no, no. We're supposed to be alone, him and I, for sure. But there has to be that collective time that we gather to worship. That we gather as the family of God to worship. That we are encouraged like when we come together and we're reminded of who God is. That happens when we come together collectively. We need one another to encourage each other's faith. And so we have this, this, this example in Jesus. He goes, he prays by himself. And then we continue on verse 24. It says, but the boat was, was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves for the wind was contrary. <laughs> remember the wind. And remember this too, because it's so important. Jesus commanded his disciples to go. He told his disciples to go to the other side. In other words, let me break it down like this. Jesus commanded his disciples to go into the wind. He sent his disciples into the hardship. So there's just a couple of things that I'd like to note here. The first one is this, is that Jesus sent his disciples into the storm. Now, it wasn't like he's like, hey, I just want you to go into the storm. I have somewhere for you to go. But guess what? There's a storm on the way. You know why this is important for us? Because difficulty is not necessarily an indication that you're outside of God's will. See, sometimes we get into difficult times. You know, it happens in marriage. It happens with, you know, parenting. It happens with work. I mean, you name it. You know, you go through, you know, you, have, you, know, you know how it is. You get that job, and it's like, oh, praise the Lord. You, you testifying, glory to God. You were praying like, God, I need this new job. Lord, I need a promotion, amen. And then the Lord answers, and then we come. And I get in a circle, like, hey, hey, you know, right now we don't do circles. But anyway, we used to do circles. We know back in the day we could hold hands and stuff. But nonetheless, right, we, we, we get around, and we're like, okay, anybody got any petitions? And somebody's like, no, I got a praise report. Be like, okay, what's up? Man, the Lord answered the prayer, amen. Three months later. Any, any prayer petitions? Yes, I, I need a new job, Amen. Why, 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 why do you need a new job? 
Oh, because it got difficult, right? Oh, because things got hard. Oh, you know, I, I, I mean, you, you, you go down, you, you know what I'm talking about. Things get difficult and we start to question, am I in God's will? And well, well, let me ask you a question. Did God send you? Did God lead you? Did God open that door? Amen. Right? Did, did he direct you? That? Because if he directed you that way, then that doesn't mean, oh, I need to stop because something happened right on. You need to just press on. You need to continue on moving forward. That's what we should be doing. The second thing that I want to say along with this is that storms are necessary. Someone say amen to that. I don't want to hear that. It's like suffering is necessary. No, like, you know, there's things in life that, they're, that you, don't, you don't want them to be necessary, but they are. You know, like some people hate water, but it is necessary. You know, like, you know, children especially, they don't like water. They want juice. They want this. They want that. They don't want water, but, it's, but, but water is necessary, right? Vegetables. I know some of you don't want to hear this. <sighs> Vegetables are necessary. I, I don't like, I, I'm going to be honest, I don't, I don't like them, but... They have their purpose. Amen? <laughs> the fact is that storms are necessary for two reasons. Number one, because it helps us to grow. But number two, because it brings revelation of who God is that wouldn't have happened without the storm. If the disciples wouldn't have been in the midst of the storm, the revelation they got of Jesus and the revelation that others got of Jesus would not have happened. The storm is something that's necessary in life. See, faith is built upon God's unchanging word and in God's unchanging character. That's where faith is built. If our lives are going to be marked by faith, then our faith has to be in God's word that doesn't change and God's character that doesn't change. This is the truth that followers of Christ stand upon. It is the truth that their faith is built upon in spite of the reality around us. Now, look, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't want you to think that I'm saying that there wasn't a storm happening here. There was a storm happening. There was hardship going on. And, and, and I joked about your job, but your job may be difficult. Your marriage may be difficult. Listen, your parenting situation right now may be difficult. Your, you know, your dealing with situations may be difficult. I am not denying that reality. What I'm telling you is don't deny the reality. Embrace the truth. The truth is God is there with you in that difficulty. The truth is God is working something out in the midst of that. You have to trust that God is working in that difficult situation or else you're going to do what? You're just going to try to find a different situation. That's what you'll do. If, if you don't believe God is working, then what do you do? Well, I'll go find another situation. I'll go find another job. I'll, and I'll go find another spouse. Come on now. That's, that's happened. Right? Or, or I'll just be single forever because I just, I, I'm not going to be married. I don't know. Seriously. I mean, these types of things happen. But we're supposed to know, wait, what does God's word say? Who is God in the midst of this? That's where our faith is supposed to be. And here's what I want you to realize is that the enemy wants to shape our faith by reality. Hear me. The enemy wants to shape our faith by reality. And what I want you to know is that there is no question. Reality is definitely going to impact your faith. What you go through, what I see, you and I, our stories are different. See, there's different experiences that I have that have impacted my faith, that have helped shape it. However, the primary thing that is supposed to shape my faith and shape your faith is truth. Not feelings, not emotions, not situations, because there are situations that will wreck your faith if those are the things that are shaping your faith. 
You lose a loved one unexpectedly. Those are things that can wreck your faith. Can they not? You experience a serious job loss, a serious situation in your life with your own health. Those things can wreck your faith. Those are realities that are going to impact your faith. But the thing that should be shaping your faith and my faith is God's word and his truth and who God is. The second thing I'd ask you to repeat after me is this. Say, faith moves us us. and And it moves God. Faith moves us and it moves God. Now I'm going to continue reading here. Verse 25, it says, Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them. So between three and six in the morning, Jesus went to them. He's walking on the sea. Remember, the winds are blowing. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying it is a ghost. So, you know, these spiritual guys are superstitious as well. Hello. Hmm. I mean, seriously. They're like, it's a ghost. Right? And just think about this for a moment. Twelve dudes in a boat, right? I mean, this, this is a great picture just to get in your mind, right? Twelve guys in a boat, and they are screaming. They are yelling. They are fearful in the midst of this storm in this water. I mean, it is one of those scenes that, I mean, it's, it, should, it should be in a movie, right? Where, where these guys are in there, they're like, oh, my goodness, it's a go. I mean, they're scared. And what are you going to do? I mean, you're in the middle of the water, raging waves, wind is blowing, rain is coming out. I mean, you don't even want to be there. Come on now. And then you see some silhouette of something moving toward you, and you're like, oh, it's over now. They're believing that it's over. And then Jesus goes and he says what? It says, but immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, be of good cheer or take courage is another translation. It is I, do not be afraid. Again, that revelation, if Jesus would have just walked on water regular, it would have still been amazing. Amen? But this storm made it more amazing. And then he says these words, he he says, take courage, it is I. Take courage, I am, is what he was saying. Remember, I am, way back in the book of Exodus, when Moses asked the question, well, who do I say sent me? And he says, who? I am that I am sent you. So when Jesus says these words, he is is bringing reference back to that point over there where, wait a second, remember, I am, I am. In other words, I am God. The same, the same God of Israel that was there is the same, the same God who split the Red Sea there is the same God who's walking on the sea right now. I am is here. That's the same God that is speaking to us right now, saying, I am. I'm here right now in the midst of what is going on. In verse 28, it says, And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. Why would he say that? You know, I I, I try to put myself in in those situations. Like, man, would I be that guy? I'm like, nope, I would not be him. I would have been Thomas. I would have been like sitting there like, really? Can you prove to me you're Jesus? And and can you got, Jesus, you're the one that has to call me. I'm not just coming to you. But, But this is why this stands out so much. Because I want you to notice the person who took the initiative in the request, it wasn't Jesus first, it was Peter. It wasn't Jesus who said, Peter, come to me, and then Peter said, okay, I'll come. No, no, no. It was Peter who, I don't know what, I mean, it was, wait a second, we just went from screaming, we went from yelling, we went from like, we're going to die, it is a ghost. We went from this place of just crazy to crazier. Peter's like, 
Well, Jesus, if it's you, call me. I think Luis Gonzalez would have done that. I'm just going to say that right now. <laughs> the other day we were on a bike trail, and I just want you to know there's like a 12-foot drop, right? Luis doesn't even think twice about the drop. He got excited when we got to this drop, and he was like, shoom, and I was there like, oh, no. I'm like, nah, bro. I'm like, did he just do that? Like, oh my God. Um, so he's down there giving me instruction how to come down the drop. His son had to come up and instruct me and show me again before I did, I did do the drop. Amen. I did it. I did it. I did, I did it. I did it. Praise the Lord. But I, would, I wouldn't have just done it. If it would have been me, I'd have been like, well, I'm just going around the other way. Let me, let me, let me take the, the easy way around, right? But not Peter, right? Not Peter. Peter is like, yo, Lord, if it's you, call me right now. I'm coming. You're walking on water. I'm walking with you. That's some serious faith, is it not? I mean, that, that, that's a guy that is moved. He's like, you know what? All of a sudden, it's like time stop for him or something. I don't know. Because he has this moment of just like clarity where the only thing he saw was Jesus on the water. All right, Lord, if it's you, if, you're, if you can do it, then I guess I can do it because I'm your disciple. And, you know, and I mean, remember, we're like in the middle of Jesus' life here, right? This is the middle of the book of Matthew. Jesus, Peter has seen some things. He's walked with Jesus. But I want you to realize Peter wasn't the only one moved in that moment. Because Jesus could have simply said, now, nah, Peter, this is for me to do it. You just stay right there. I'm going to come get you. That isn't what Jesus said. And then Jesus responds to Peter and like, come. And I'm wondering if Peter had a moment like, what? <laughs> Couldn't this be like get, a get behind me moment, right? I don't know. I, but, but Peter was like, yo, I'm jumping. I, I, you know, Peter like, maybe I'm in the flesh right now. I don't know, right? He was hope, maybe he was hoping for a bailout like that. I don't know. But, but, but Peter gets out. The scripture says he gets out and he starts walking towards Jesus. Now, now, we need to camp out there for a moment because I know in the next verse it's going to say he starts drowning. But can we just rejoice in the fact that he actually walked on the water? I mean, I know, I know he started to sink, and we'll talk about that in my last point. But, man, this dude was walking on the water. Why? Because he had the revelation of who God is. And he believed when God spoke, he responded. He was marked by faith. His life was marked by faith. Listen, I've only seen that happen one time. Like, I don't know of anybody else who's walked on water since then. Are you here? You may. I don't know anyone else. I don't know of any other narrative or any other miracle that happened that way. Maybe it has. I don't know. But here's what I know is this, is that I don't think that Jesus is asking us to walk on water like that. But he is asking us to focus on him in the midst of the storm. He is asking us to call to him in the midst of the storm and, say, and, and recognize that he's walking in the midst of the storm, that he is walking. He is conquering the waves that you can't get past. He is overcoming all of the, the, the ambiance that is there. He is overcoming it all, and he is saying, son, he is saying, daughter, walk to me. Focus on me. Look at me. Look at where I am. Focus on who I am. That's what, that's what marks us by faith. It's not ignoring reality, y'all. It's us focusing on the one who creates reality, who creates, who is the, the, the embodiment of truth. That's what Peter did. See, I've been struggling with these two thoughts here, right? Like, I don't, you know, there's two different groups of people. One group of people will say this, God needs your faith to move. One group, right? God needs your faith to move. 
And I struggle with that statement because I don't know that in every situation God needs your faith to move because I look at my life and I'm like, man, God has moved plenty of times and I had no faith. I didn't even know he was moving. Come on now. If he needs my faith to move, then there's a problem. He's not sovereign. Then there's the other group, right? The other group is God doesn't need you to move. I'm like, wait a second. I don't know. That doesn't seem biblical either. Here's what I think is a biblical, a biblical thought. God made faith an integral part of the equation of some of what he does in our lives. God made faith an integral part of some of what he does in our lives. For example, salvation. How are we saved? By grace through faith. We're not saved apart from faith. We're not saved by works. Works will never save us. We are saved by grace through faith. I mean, this is how this happens. Faith is an integral part of some of the things that God does in our lives. And in this particular moment, you know what we see? We see faith being very important for Peter. For Peter to be able to be someone we're talking about this morning. Because what? He was the only one. Nobody else got out of that boat. It wasn't like somebody watched, you know, Peter. Like I watched Lewis go down that. I was like, oh, I could try that too. No, nobody else was like, well, Peter, you did it. No. Nobody did that. It wasn't a line of people that Jesus saved. It was one guy who was willing to step out of the boat. One guy was willing to step out of the boat. The third thing, say this with me, faith will always be tested by doubt. Faith will always be tested by doubt. And so we go on and we finish up in verse 30 to verse 30, 33. It says, but when he saw that the wind, remember I told you to keep the wind in mind? See, the wind was against them. Peter somehow forgot about the wind, started walking on the water, and then he became overwhelmed with the wind again. It says when he realized that the wind was against him, was boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out saying, Lord, save me. And look what, look what Jesus says. And immediately, Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. You see the wind again? So the wind is against them. The wind distracts Peter from Christ. And then the wind ceases because Jesus gets back in this boat with them. And then something beautiful happens, which I said earlier, which is why these storms are so important. Then those, in verse 33, then those who were in the boat came and worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. We have Jesus here. Again, faith will always be tested by doubt. Here's what I want you to know, is that doubt doesn't just diminish faith, it disarms it. Doubt doesn't just diminish faith. It disarms it because what happens is doubt begins to overwhelm our faith and then it causes us to what? It causes us to cower in fear. And so this guy who was willing in the midst, he, he was almost blinded <clears throat> to everything that was going on around him, everything that was happening at that moment, he was blinded to that, stepped out into the water and began to walk. This guy, he was there in that, in, in that moment walking on the water just like Jesus was, the wind comes, the doubt comes, all of a sudden he begins to cower in fear and he begins sinking. And so what we have to realize is or think about what is the wind. And now, and now I, want, I want to say this because I want to give you an application because I don't want to just talk about wind and just kind of leave it as oh, it's just wind. Because as I'm thinking about the text, I'm thinking about, man, are there any other references to wind in the New Testament? 
Are there any other references? And what I realize is that there are a couple of other references. I only picked out two. But here's one thing. In the book of Ephesians, it says what? It says that the wind is compared to false teaching. The wind of, of doctrine is compared. That, that's false teaching. That causes us to be moved in the book of Ephesians. And then the book of James chapter 1 and verse 6, it tells us that we are to ask in faith nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven by the wind tossed to and fro. Talking about prayer. And so he gives us this example in the book of James. This wind is this thing that is causing us to move back and forth. To waver in our thoughts. To become double minded. To one moment I can walk on the water. One moment I can overcome whatever trial or tribulation comes. The next moment, I don't know what to do. The next moment, the only thing I can do, and listen, when I say this, the only thing, this is a good thing because at least he had this to do, is say, Lord, save me. Lord, save me. I can't save myself. Lord, I, I, I stepped out in faith, but I'm sinking. Lord, I stepped out in faith, but I, I lost my focus. Lord, I stepped out in faith. I started to run, but Lord, I got tripped up, and now I'm messed up. And so, Lord, save me. And you know what Jesus does? Jesus does, you know, if it would have been me, because I'm not, I'm not Jesus, right? I would have probably let him sink a little bit, you know, and then grabbed him. Right? Like, like oh, yo, yo, I got you, bro. You know, y'all right? <laughs> I'm terrible. I'm not Jesus, y'all. I don't walk on water. I'm telling you right now. But Jesus doesn't do that. Immediately, the scripture says Jesus grabbed him, and then he tells him what? It's funny because it's like, if you think about this, it's almost like in the moment, like Jesus is standing on the water and picking him up and saying, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? You see that? He's giving him this, this teaching moment, but I want you to notice what Jesus doesn't say. Jesus doesn't say, oh, you of no faith. He says, oh, you of little faith. See, he still had faith. It wasn't big. It was overwhelmed by doubt, but there was still faith. There was still something moving him towards God. And so no matter what, listen, I believe this. If you're sitting here today, then there's something in you that's moving you towards God. There is something that is moving you toward God. Despite what may be going on, there's something moving you toward God. You may be overwhelmed by doubt or discouragement or whatever it is, but here's the deal. The fact is that you are still moving toward God in church. Here's what I want you to realize when you look at doubt. Doubt is this way. Whether it's clear false teaching, whether it's the wind of false doctrine, or it's the circumstantial misteaching. What do I mean by that? Circumstantial misteaching is this. We're in the middle of a storm. We're seeing a silhouette a silhouette move towards us and we're like it's a ghost that's a miss that's a misteaching that isn't a ghost but you're going through whatever you're going through and you see stuff and it's like oh man but you know what it does it creates wavering faith that's what it does either way it creates wavering faith and so i repeat what i said in 2019 i think it was december 29th 2019 when i started talking about clear vision man we need to be in god's word we need to be in prayer. We need to be in God's presence. We need to be around God's people, letting our faith be built. Because here's what happens. Whenever our eyes come off of Jesus, guess what? That's when doubt creeps in. And you know what? We need to be in his word. We need to be in his presence. But we also need to be around God's people. Why? Because we need brothers and sisters to let us know, hey, man, you're off track. You're, off, you're, 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 you're not moving in the right direction. You're not moving in the direction you should be moving in. You and I must be on guard against the wind. Why? Because distractions that seem minimal can become windstorms 
that destroy our faith. We need to be on guard against the wind, church. We need to be on guard against voices that are not God. We need to be on guard against emotions that didn't come from God's heart. We need to be on guard against thoughts that didn't originate with the Father. Because those little things that creep in and just, you know, they just kind of sit there. They just kind of nag at you a little bit. And then suddenly you find yourself so far off course, you don't even know how to come back. You know how you come back? Lord, save me. Lord, save me. I, listen, it, it, it's not a bunch of words. It's just true from the heart. Lord, save me. Lord, I want to be a person that is marked by faith. And that's the question. The question is this. What will mark you this year, faith or doubt? What will mark you, faith or doubt? So I'm going to ask you to bow your heads right there, right where you are. And just think about that. What is it that you want to mark you in this year? Do you want to be marked by faith? Do you want to be a person who is overcoming doesn't mean you're going to win in every situation. just means that you are going to walk faithfully with God through every situation. And when you start sinking, what are you going to do? Lord, save me. But here's what I want you to think about in particular. What area in your life is it that, you're, that you need to demonstrate faith? I gave some examples. Some of it was marriage. Some of it was work. Some of it is in parenting with children. I, I, don't, I don't know, but is there a particular area in your life that you haven't been demonstrating faith and you say, God, I want to demonstrate faith? And so as you think about that, I'm going to ask you to do something if, and this is only if, there's not everybody in this room. I mean, it could be everybody in this room, but I want you to respond to this. If you say, Lord, I want my life to be marked by faith in this year, and you know that there's a particular area where you need to have your life marked by faith, if you say, God, I want to respond to you, I just want you to stand right where you are so I can pray with you. Father, we stand before you in this place with our hearts humbled. We want our lives to be marked by faith. Father, I've stood before you already declaring where I need to stand by faith in this year. My brothers and sisters have stood before you and you know where they are and, where, and what they're going through. And in this year, I pray that faith would mark them. Father, in whatever area it is, may they surrender it to you. May they cry out to you. May they call upon you, God. And may they experience your saving power in the name of Jesus. Father, fill us with your grace. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. You can be seated in the presence of the Lord. We're going to partake of communion at this time.
So if you don't have communion, just raise your hands. And if you're like me, you need communion, so the ushers will serve you. And the beauty of communion is that it is a beautiful, beautiful reminder. Thank you. It is a beautiful reminder of what Jesus has done for us. It's a beautiful reminder of his power, his faithfulness. It is a gospel picture. When we partake of communion, we're reminded of our sin that separates us from God, that separated us from him before we came to him, and that grieves him. You know, this morning, and, and I have to, to apologize, Sarah, because this morning, and I know you guys were really in the spirit, and I was in the flesh, and I, and I came in, and I, and I know I grieved the Holy Spirit, and I didn't mean to offend you in any way, and I know that you didn't probably take it like that. Maybe you did, but I just want to apologize because I just felt so terrible throughout all of worship because I'm like, man, they're messing around, and, you know, I was just not in the, in the right mind, but, you know, our sin grieves the Holy Spirit, and when we hurt a brother or a sister, man, that's not... That's not God's heart. And sometimes it's, you know, not the brother and sister here. It's maybe the one next to us. Sometimes we've grieved them and offended them. And, man, we have to have the right heart because God wants us to be right with each other. It hurts his heart when we hurt each other. But our sin separates us from him. Our pride can separate us from him and from others. Because communion is not just about the body of Jesus, his flesh, but it's about the body of Christ. And so we're reminded of our sin, but we are also reminded of a beautiful sacrifice that Jesus made, a beautiful sacrifice that he made for us, dying in our place, rescuing us from our sin, saving us like he did Peter. It's such a beautiful picture. Reminding us that his blood was shed, that his body was torn, so that we could have life eternal. So we could have a relationship with him. So we could be whole in our souls. And then we are reminded of our salvation. Salvation is not just now. Salvation is eternal. And we look forward to that day when we either breathe our last breath or we hear the trumpet sound that calls us to be in his presence forever, whichever one comes first. And we're in his presence. Communion is for believers. So if you're not a believer, you don't have to partake of communion. There's no shame in that. I want to read a scripture to you because I think it's important for us to be reminded of this. Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself. And so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. So important. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord that we may not be condemned with the world. Therefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. So I'll just ask you right there. Just bow your head before the Lord. Examine your own heart. Is there sin that you need to confess?
Jesus, we thank you for your great mercy. We thank you for your great love. And we thank you, Lord, for who you are to us. Jesus, thank you for these elements that remind us of the great sacrifice you made to save us and to make us your people, your children, and to make us brothers and sisters. Lord, we pray that we'll partake with our hearts right before you today. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're able to stand, would you stand?